Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Flow Track Podcast. Happy Monday. I am Kevin. He is Gordon. It was just last week. When my co-host on this show said last week would be the greatest weekend of the entire year in all of track and field. Gordon, I hate to tell you, I think it didn't even last one week. It did not no, even no. last. No. no one's remembering all the sub fours now. Nobody's remembering what someone did at this meet or that no. meet. We got it. Oh, no. We have the oldest running event world record going down. We have Ryan Krauser breaking his world record. We got an American record going down in the women's 60. Then you have world cross country with some big names going head to head. Okay. Now just... It was good. It was good. It was better than the week before. I'm just saying it lasted it a week. You had a good run. How are you doing today? I disagree. I think you're, lit, you're just in the heat of the moment. I think you're just overtly excited. And also, hold on. The text messages you were sending me over the weekend about USA's results was not as well thrilled as you are acting right now. Okay, let's just be honest. That's just be, well, it wasn't about just USA's. USA's had a couple things. They had a couple entries in there. You got Hobbs. You got Anna Hall. You got Deanna Price. But it was the weekend in totality. There was look at all the notes I took. There was so much going. I did notes, handwritten notes, old school Kevin style. Because there was so much to remember. This was a good but, weekend. I don't think it's going to be the best. I'm not saying it wasn't it was a good better weekend. Better than last week. I'm not saying it wasn't a good week. It was a good weekend. But last weekend was better. I'm Like, Ryan Krauser breaking a world record, as great of an achievement that is, it's Ryan Krauser breaking a world record. If Mondo were to break a world record, are we going to be like, oh, my goodness, Mondo broke a world record? At, no, because he's already the best. At, like, Sure. But it adds – to just the sum of great performances on one weekend. And if you're saying at the end of the like, year, what are you going to remember? What if Krauser doesn't throw faster th- or throw farther than this this year? You're going to remember, oh, where did he run throw 23-38? Oh, that was that weekend after Valentine's Day 
that might have been the best weekend in all of track and field. Now you're just you're just trying what, to get what happens. I see what you're trying to do here. Hold on. I see what, you're what happened two weeks ago? Can you tell me what happened two weeks ago? What do you remember about two weeks ago? What do I remember about two weeks ago? Yeah, which was the greatest uh, weekend I in all of track watching, and field. I remember watching a one four a, a three forty seven mile. I remember watching a Josh Kerr surprising people and winning a three k against the number four runner in the world in the 5K, Luis Grijalva. I remember all the sub fours at BU. I remember all the fast times that were run okay. in Arkansas and all over the country. I remember it all. Yeah. yeah. I remember your third thing record you in mentioned mile was, for Caitlin Tui. The third thing that. you mentioned was, I remember all the sub fours at BU. You, you've lost the argument. It's okay, though. No, I like that you went out on a lamb. You lasted one week. You lasted one week. And I love it. Let's start with the best performance of the weekend. I want to start with the best right. one or the most notable one. Krauser, okay. probably the best because he breaks his outdoor overall record. But I want to start with Femke Bull. Femke Bull, 49-26. It was the oldest running event world record in all of track and field, Gordon. 41 years old. 1982. This record was older than me. You like to tell me all the time how old I am. This record legitimately older than me. She goes from 49.96 last week all the way down to 49.26, faster than her outdoor PB. You couldn't ask for a better indoor season than what Femke Bull is doing right now. And I think we're inevitably going to talk about what this means for outdoors and what it means for what event she chooses to do. But first, I think we should just pause and just appreciate and talk about this performance that she ran at the Dutch Championships. Yeah, phenomenal. Low 49s on an indoor track. Not done that often. Running this fast has never been done this often. She's the first one to ever do it because it's the world record. You do mention, though, oh, wait, I guess, okay, I should still be positive. I'm going to continue to be positive. Uh, yeah, Femke, she's on an, another level. She still has yet to enter her prime. And if you're running this fast this early, you have to imagine it's going to translate to something even better outdoors. Uh, it's... Weird when you think about Bull's career because she's in the shadows of what Sydney McLaughlin's doing in the 400 hurdles. But maybe that shadow is going to be lifted once Sydney moves to the 400. She stays in the 400 hurdles. Maybe she can try to flirt with Sydney's time. I don't think she would, but you know she could go out there and maybe have an undefeated season and just have like a a very you know Alison dos Santos type year where like you're the star of that event. You win every race you enter at the Diamond League. Um, obviously, Carson Warholm was everyone, like everyone knows Carson Warholm was the star of the 400 hurdles, but Dos Santos got to own 2022. Maybe this will be Femke Bowl. She gets to own 2023 with everyone knowing, hey, Sydney's still the goat of that event. Well, we still don't know what event Sydney's going to run. And that's what makes this sure. interesting. Because Bowl is running fast enough now to put herself in the gold medal picture in two events, depending on what Sydney decides to do. The list of people who can beat Femke Bowl in the foreign hurdles is one person. We agree on that? It was one person last year, by the end of last year, and it's yeah. clearly just one person, right? Okay. Yeah. But then let's look at the quarter. Let's look at the flat 400. All right. You had Paulino go sub 49 last year. Cannot discount her. Cannot count her out. Sub 49, legit performance. Um, Shauna Miller-Weibo, obviously we assume she's not going to be 
well, and she already said she probably wasn't going to run the quarter anymore, and she's going to give birth. A thing, Mo, which I don't think there's any reason to think she's going to run the quarter this year. We assume she's probably going to run the 800. And then Sydney. That's pretty much the whole list. Now, could some other people jump up? Absolutely. But there's a world in which Femke Bowl now could go to the quarter, avoid the foreign hurdles, and end up with a good shot at a gold medal. And that's what makes this interesting. And I don't know if she's going to employ the avoid Sydney at all costs strategy. We've seen this throughout the course of track history. You know, there's just a dominant figure. What are you going to do? You're going to try to avoid them, right? Sydney goes left, Femke goes right. Sydney zigs, Femke should zag. Maybe she enters both and then she waits to see what she does and then gives herself the best shot at the gold medal. I would not have said this at the beginning of the indoor season. I would not have even said this a week ago. I just think 49.26 is so much different than a 49.96 that the flat 400 potential now for Femke Bowl, like she can get a gold medal in this event. And that was not the case, I don't even think, last week. I don't know if that's true, though. I think that the women's 400 isn't like the women's flat 400, especially with Shawnee Milowebo exiting the event, wasn't some like uphill climb for Femke Bowl's talent to be able to achieve. I don't think, I think Femke Bowl was a gold medal contender in the flat 400 before she ran 49.2 indoors. I don't know. I think 49.9 indoors was just as good enough. And I also want to say this. Maybe this is me. You mentioned like the oldest record, 41-year record. There's a reason the record hasn't been broken for 41 years. It's because for 41 years, the best 400-meter runners didn't try to break this record. Okay. I'm with you in the fact that the 400 is a weird event indoors, indoors. in that a lot of the, in the, a lot of the pros don't run it. The pros that do run it, run it sparingly. But I want to offer, and I thought the same thing. And I also thought with the idea of, man, that with track technology now, and this track is so fast, and we need to rethink the way that we consider the possible limits of indoor versus outdoor and all this stuff. But there's two caveats here I want to throw at you, two counters to your point. One is, this was a Kratchlikova world record. She's run 40, she ran 47.99 outdoors right she's got the 800 meter world record so it's not a no-name person the second thing i would say what's the one group of people that takes the indoor 400 seriously in all of the world college kids exactly and can you be good in the 400 at a young age kevin are you on like a really long hold on kevin how long of a delay are you on because it took you like 20 minutes to respond to me saying that. That was for dramatic effect. So college kids take it seriously. <laughs> but we also need to take into account. You're really delayed. 400 meter runners can be good at a young age too. Right? So True. we've never seen a sub 50. We've never seen a sub 50 from an NCAA runner. All that to say. I, I get your point that it's it's not the same thing as 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 breaking a 400 meter outdoor record. No, it's not the same as some of these indoor records that we've seen. But a lot of talented runners have taken a shot at it, and she's just well clear of them now. That's all I'd say. 
Yeah. And I think Themke is a uh, outdoor 48 mid to high runner right now. She could probably split 48 low on a 4x4. Four four. Oh, yeah. Um, well, let me ask you this. If she's 48 mid to high outdoors, that's and Sydney doesn't run, there's the it's basically her and Paulino, and maybe we'll leave one spot yeah, open for a while. For sure. Start, but her, her chance, yeah. So it got me looking so, at the schedule again and looking at the double possibilities and all that stuff because I thought, hey, maybe we have two people who can double. And in a perfect world, Gordon, 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 stick with me in, per- in a perfect double. world, we get what's known as a double, double. How great would that be? That would be a page out of Swimming's book. Right, you see Michael Phelps's new rival. It's so and so from somewhere, and then every every night for three nights, they're just going at each other. Hundred freestyle, two hundred freestyle, hundred butterfly, going bull versus McLaughlin Navroni twice would be awesome. I'm not going to wish for it because I think it's too much to ask, but that would be awesome. I'll wish for it. So, do you think this performance says that Bull can beat Sydney? Because I don't think it proves that she can beat Sydney yet. Sydney is still the favorite. Sydney yeah. is still absolutely the favorite. But I think it's closer now than it was. What does this mean for hurdles? What does this mean for outdoors? Yeah, that's that's going to be a harder thing to figure out. But I just I don't think there's many people who are going to say, "Oh, forty nine two indoors, she's going to run slower outdoors." No, no one thinks oh, that. No. She's so very. Yeah, the, she's going to run 48 at, mid. At the bit, well, that's, that's assuming a jump up. I think some people say it's a reasonable assumption. But at, at the bare minimum, I think people are thinking she's going to go sub 49. So I didn't, again, I, I, I was surprised to see this one. Um, I thought she'd run quick. I didn't think she'd, she'd smash it. I mean, we saw her run that quarter and leave in, and she was above 50 seconds. But she's been perfect indoors, been perfect. Um, all in the game says she split 48-5 already outdoors, Gordon. Yeah. That's your answer. Well, I mean, she, but I know she's going to split 48 low and then run 48 mid open. Yep. David so said, is there something wrong with the cameras? Faster. Says Gordon is completely white and Kevin is red. Well, yeah, Gordon is really white and I'm just very sunburned. I was out. Surprise sun in Austin. Now, I don't know what's going on with the cameras. The lighting. Craziness. Well, your all right. audio's all weird too, man. You're like delayed. How let many? Me, me, like, what's going on in your household right now? You got like internet problems going on again? You can no, there you shouldn't be any camera. internet. I don't know, man. The kids are home. Maybe they're logged on to 12 different devices. They have President's Day off. I'll, I'll refresh while you talk about Ryan Krauser. Take it away, Gordon. So, yeah, in classic track and field fashion, a U.S. athlete went to a high school meet to break the world record in the shot put on the same weekend as the U.S. National Championships. Kind of funny the way that's what happens, the way our sport is. But Ryan Krauser, outside of the ridiculousness of him not doing it at USA's, he went to go do it at the same meet where he, I believe, broke the high school national record. Um, But he throws 23 meters and 38 centimeters for a new world record at the Simplot Games. Incredible. I mean, it's like one of those things. I mean, it, it reminds me of the moment when uh, Bikele ran that 201 or something like that at 
in Berlin during Worlds or was it at Worlds? Yeah, no, it's during Worlds. Yeah, yeah, you're right. During Worlds, was it in Berlin? It was, yeah. Yeah, but everyone's like, wait a minute. Why did that, like Worlds is going on. Why is there an incredible marathon performance <laughs> just happening on the same week? Right, right. right. This yeah. was the same vibe. Like, hey, we're at USA's getting ready for the men's shot put to go off. And then wait, Ryan Krauser earlier today just broke the world record. That's not supposed to happen. Had that same little little vibe going on, but impressive throw. Krauser has yet to lose his beat. You think eventually, I mean, there will be a point when he'll start slowing down, but it looks like he's still climbing the hill as opposed to coming down off the hill. Um, 23-38 world record in February. Incredible. And uh, also incredible haircut there. Look at that. Is that a mullet he's got going? <laughs> Good luck, dude. Going. He's yeah. He's got the the modified form too, right? He's changing up his 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 technique. So obviously, incredible thrower, but also just an incredible analyst of how he and like self coaching, trying to figure all this stuff out. He managed to come up with a way for him to throw the shot even farther. I thought that was crazy. I also saw. I don't know if you read that article. He took two days off. Because he felt bad, like sick, before the competition. And he said he had never in his life taken two days off before a competition, before this one. Maybe he just needed a little rest. That was it. Just needed a little bit of rest. He's doing things like this. He's taking the smoother path now, right? Altering the, altering the, the technique, taking some days off, and you see the, the result. I did think it was funny, though, when I saw that. I said, oh, at USA? So it's like, nope. Oh, wait, where was he? In Europe? Nope. <laughs> at the Simplot Games, baby. Boise, Idaho. Love it. All right. So this was his one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Hold on, hold on. I guess nine. This is ninth time indoors or outdoors throwing over twenty three meters. That sounds about right. It's yeah. It says he's thrown it in seven competitions. So yeah, it's probably been a couple where he it, doubled up. Yeah, he threw it. Tw- he threw it over twenty three in Eugene in June of 2022. Two other times outside of his winning mark. He threw it over twenty three meters three times in one event. That's that's. That's impressive. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Oh, so. Brandon cor- corrects me. Pocatello, Idaho, Kevin. Give us Eastern Idahoans our due. My apologies. Pocatello, Idaho. I grew up in Nevada, yeah, so-, so I knew people who would go to the Simplot. I've heard the, the, about the Simplot games for forever, so I should have I should have known that. My apologies. My apologies to you uh, and all of Idaho. Oh yeah, Ryan Krauser, man. Nine times over twenty three meters. Uh, Ulf Timmerman has done it once. Randy Barnes mm-hmm. has done it once. And Joe Kovacs has done it once. Ryan Krauser has done it nine times. Imagine being in a high school meet, college meet, low-key meet, and then the best guy in history shows up. It's like, hey, can I compete with you guys? That's kind of cool. That's a memory. Yeah, it's like you're at a stand-up comedy show doing like an open mic. And then like... Yeah. I don't know. Jerry Seinfeld shows up. He's like, "Hey, <laughs> you mind if I open for you?" Like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just do a quick five must before have... you go on. Yeah, okay, okay, that's fine. 
It must have looked so far in comparison to the guys he was thrown with out there. You really got an idea of, hey, this is the best guy ever. All right, let's go from Idaho to Albuquerque. U.S. Indoor Championships. Gordon was there. He witnessed an American record that we forecasted. We saw this coming. Aliyah Hobbs, 694, only behind Arena Privalova. Number two all time, Gordon. What did, what did she have to say after? What did you think of the race? Yeah, I mean, she. I asked her, like, was this on your mind going into the season? She said no. She said she didn't really eyed the American record until she ran sub seven in Arkansas two weeks, two or three weeks prior. And then once she realized that, Hey, I'm in like the best shape right now for the indoor season, I might as well just go for it. And you're at altitude. She put together a good semi and then ultimately a great final. And it wasn't even close. I mean, she didn't barely break the record. She kind of shattered it in my opinion, when it comes down to it. And She's in her. She's in the prime of her career. This is where, where she's in her peak season. So you got to think that this is going to translate, hopefully, well to outdoors. And right now, there hasn't really been a U.S. woman who's been able to perform at the highest level when at the final in a global championship in the women's hundred. I mean, when's the last time a U.S. woman has finished top two in a hundred? At Worlds or the Olympics? Yeah. I realize while, now, that you think, now that you think that there's such a big lag between us, I can just take a pause to think, <laughs> and you won't judge me for, for doing that. Uh, it was last – it's been a while. Let's, uh, let's go – the Olympics, let's see if we can – or we can go back. So you, you're talking about just the 100 or the 100 or the 200? Yeah, women's 100, just the 100. Women's 100, Tori Bowie, 2016. So that's it, 2016? Well, let, let me look at World Championships. I'm almost there. It wasn't 19. It wasn't 2021. I mean, it wasn't 2019 or 2022. Um, hold on. Sorry, I'm, I'm failing at this. There we go. Was it's been a while. It might have been. It might have been Bowie in. It might have been Bowie in seventeen, though. And it was gold in seventeen. Tori Bowie. So that was the last time. Okay, so seventeen. So it's been yeah. six years. It's been a while. It's been a long time. That's like a whole. So that's basically a whole. In a in a weird way, like a prime generation. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're kind of in your prime for six years, so it's like one era of women's sprinting of kind of like of a drought and maybe Aaliyah Hobbs could be that woman to kind of break that drought. We all were thinking it was going to be Shakari, right? When she was doing her thing in 2019 and 2021, that hasn't unfolded yet, but maybe Aaliyah Hobbs is that woman who can find a way to break up the Jamaican, you know, dominance that's been going on the past few years. You know, the reason why I'm optimistic about that happening, that exact scenario happening with her, is because she's a 10-8 runner already outdoors. 10-81, her PB. You see some of these 60 specialists who tear it up indoors, and their PB is north of 11 seconds. And then you think, oh, no, wait. But this will be the year. 
Look how yeah. fast they're running in the 60. This will be the year. They'll come outdoors, and they're going to set the world on fire. Hobbs is already an established 100-meter runner. And then now she's running faster in the 60. And if you get into the 10 sevens, then you're in business. Then, you, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with Jackson and Fraser Price and, and Thompson Hurrah, right? At their peak, obviously, they're going to be untouchable. But maybe it is a 10-7 type race at the World Championships. And then that's when Hobbs can, can sneak in there. Like you're looking at her 60 progression. Her fastest time before this year was 7.07. And it's not as if she never ran a 60, right? She competed in college, ran a lot of 60s there. She's running indoors year in, year out. She goes, so she goes 707 down to 694. That's a big jump. That's a big jump. And even if she improves a tiny little bit with her 1081 PB, I think this could be something. I think this, this could be indicative of, of something special for Hobbs outdoors. Also, there's, like, there's a clear reason why she's getting better when she explains it. I don't know if she told you, but in the previous interviews that I saw, she talks about being healthy for the first time during indoors. And she talks about lifting weights, like really committing to the weight room. So maybe there is some change in her training that explains why she's faster, which is also going to translate outdoors and she can get into the 10 sevens. Do you see any scenario where you can be slower than 10 seven and be in the medals? No, 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 no. So, yeah. So that's why I'm saying if she runs mid 10 sevens or even high 10 sevens, Gives herself a shot, right? She gives herself a shot. Speaking of giving yourself a shot, oh yeah, JT Smith. Who had JT Smith winning the men's sixty from yeah. Texas A and M Commerce? You know, school that it. is apparently a Division One school. I didn't, I didn't know that Texas A and M Commerce wins it six fifty three, stunning upset. Beats Kendall Williams, 659. Um, Cravon Gillespie, another notable pro, finished fourth. JT Smith, he's, we'll see him most likely back in Albuquerque three or four weeks from now, or three weeks, I guess. Uh, wasn't the only college kid to win a, a U.S. title. Justin Robinson won the 400 uh, yeah. in the middle of his college season. But JT Smith, man, getting a win. Now, obviously, the win comes with a little bit of a – Caveat, Noah Lyles decided to scratch the 60-meter final, which opened yeah. up an opportunity for JT Smith to get the win. What are your thoughts on Noah deciding to scratch the final? He was one of the few superstars who showed up, so it was a little disappointing. But he was one of the few superstars who even bothered to show up. So how do you criticize him? At least he yeah. ran two rounds. If you're going to criticize Noah Lyles for scratching the final, well, then you got to criticize a whole long list of other people for not running the first round or the semifinal. I thought with the altitude and the quick track, he could do something quick, right? And he could achieve his goal. Obviously, he didn't think that was going to be the case. Otherwise, I think he would have run it. What was that a, is that a hip issue? Was that a hip? You, you talked yeah, to him after. Yeah, hip. Yeah, he said hip issue. I mean, it was a unique thing that they had to run three rounds. They ran a first round the day before, and then it was going to be semis yeah. and final. I like to think that if there wasn't three rounds, he might have 
been able to do it. Like if it was just a one day thing, he probably would have ran the final. After the yeah. semis, he like jogged off the track very quickly, was very like just in the zone. I was actually trying to like get a video of him being like, what are you going to do in the final? And he just like, Oof. just like waved me off and just like kept on going. Um, but luck, I, I, fortunately though, Noah Lyles didn't do a thing where he scratches and then doesn't explain why. He tweeted out why he scratched. He did an interview on NBC. And he also came through yeah, the mix yeah, zone and talked to Flowtrack yeah. for like three minutes. So he wasn't trying to hide behind scratching at least, which was I was appreciative. Let's see if we have his tweet up. Colt's finding it right now. Let's go find a tweet where he says why he scratched. Um, where is it? Yeah, there it is. Uh, had, to, had to pull out of finals due to a hip flexor. was just too tight. Rather run another day than take a chance on injuring myself. That's what he said. Amen. Yeah, he did. He did uh, spark a few uh, headlines from his interviews. I asked him, like, "What are your thoughts on Christian Coleman and Trayvon Rommel not being here?" Um, like, he's confident. Like, he he mentioned that he's the main guy. That like, even if they were here or they weren't here, it was going to be about him winning. And I was like, "Well, Christian Coleman's a world record holder in the sixty, bro." Like. It, it, Coleman would be the guy when it's this, if it's a two hundred, you're I the hope, guy, hundred percent. Hope you didn't actually. Hope 60, you didn't actually say bro. Coleman. Did you actually say bro? No, no. You I said thought, bro. These, these okay. were internal thoughts. I did not. Vo- oh. I did not vocalize these towards him. These were internal you thinking, thoughts. bro. Interesting. You think, bro? That's weird. No, I was just no. like, Noah, you are the two hundred guy. Christian Coleman is the sixty guy. Trayvon Bumel is the sixty slash one hundred in the mix guy. It's a you're not the 60 guy. You just got beat by him at Milrose. I appreciate yeah. your confidence I, and your ability to, you know, that's what elite athletes do. They think they, I mean, Russell Westbrook still thinks he's an all NBA player, but he's not, he's not the guy anymore, but no, you're still kind of new to the 60. So you're not the guy in the 60. And that's no disrespect. You're on the verge of maybe breaking a world record in the two who knows, but it doesn't mean you're really good in the 60. Like, do you think Usain Bolt, Thinks he's the guy when it comes to the 60? No, I think – well, yes, I do think he thinks that. I think he thinks he's the guy when it comes to everything, and I think that's the mentality that you have to have if you're going to go into the 100 this year. You can't have excuses for yourself. You can't put yourself in a sure. box and say, I'm only good at this one event. So I think that's the mentality he, that he has. Hey, because he knows if he can win yeah. the 60, then he can win the 100. And if he can win the 100, sure. then he can win the double. So one thing leads to the other thing leads to the other thing. But again – And if you win the double, you can win the triple. Four by well, four. And if you go in the triple, why not run the four by four and you go in the quadruple? And if you go in the four by four, you might as well run the mixed four by four and when you go in the, the quintuple. Well, speaking of doubles, let's talk about Anna Hall. Let's talk about Anna Hall. Pentathlon American record just off the world record on the first day, 5,004 points for Hall. Then she comes back later on in the meet, runs 51.03 to win the quarter. So you talked to her two times? She was, yeah, she was everywhere. After, yeah, yeah. I talked to her after their, her 400 prelim and the 400 final. Um, we don't really need to talk about this 400 performance because it was a formality that she would win. There, she was not racing anyone elite in that field. So uh, the big story coming out of this was her pentathlon performance, going over 5,000 points. I get it. Pentathlon's not done that often, so it's kind of a weird record. But she was within 
single digits of breaking the world record, uh, basically hundreds, tenths of a second away. She wants 205 and an 800 to close. Uh, yeah. I asked her, were you thinking about world record? And she said, I didn't want to tell anyone, but yes, that was her goal. She thought that she could get over 5,000 points. She was disappointed that going into the 800, she saw an opportunity to break the world record and came up short, but she still had a good head on her shoulder. She recognized like, hey, this wasn't my last chance of trying to break the pentathlon world record. Um, I did get some good uh, quotes out of her though. I asked her if she would want to run the 400 hurdle heptathlon double at Worlds and she said, yeah, 100%. If the schedule allows it, I want to do the 400 hurdle heptathlon double at Worlds. And I was like, are you still training for the 400 hurdles? She's like, yeah, I want, to. she said, well, she said she never trained for the 400 hurdles last year. So that was zero hurdle training. She ran what she ran, but she said she wants to continue to focus on that event along with her seven other events and not let go of the ability to be, be potentially an individual champion in an individual, in an individual event, I guess multis are an individual event, but you know what I mean? Be a champion in a 400 meter hurdle event. So I was like, wow. So she wants to do that double. She wants the schedule to allow it. She's not just doing a 400 hurdle heptathlon double as an NCA only thing. She wants to hopefully translate to a pro thing, which will be wild. We're talking about doubles. That's a, that's a wild double, right? Have we ever seen a multi-athlete at the world level double? We see the no, transition he, from like he, that, doing, focusing he, on that and then becoming yeah. like a 200 meter runner or something, but. Right. Well, Eaton did the on the off year. He ran the four hurdles. Yeah, did pretty did did pretty well for himself. But this would be totally different. And there was that year I think at the Olympic trials when Eaton's long jump in the decathlon would have won the main long jump competition or at least qualified for the Olympics. I forget the exact yeah. stats. So there's been athletes who could do it. It's just a matter of actually it happening because. Logistically, it is very, very difficult. Uh, we also had a world record at US oh, Indoors. Thing Anna Hall. Oh, one sorry. Thing from Anna Hall. She, I asked her, how fast can you run a four and an eight? She said she could run sub 50 probably in a 400 and 201 in an 800, which is just ridiculous. She's like, she's giving me like Ash and Eaton vibes, man. Like, yeah. The way she's able to be this good this early. She's still super young. Like, she's not even 22 yeah. yet, right? Like, going, like, we're 2024, she's going to be amazing. But, like, 2028, Anna Hall is going to be the face of track and field, in my opinion. She's going to be dominating the multi event. She might be even transitioning into the 400 hurdles. You know, it's Anna Hall is going to be here for a while. And it's kind of pretty cool seeing, like, She's not going to be a flash in the pan, just like good in college. She's going to be, she's going to be in, she's going to be the poster child of USA track and field for like the next 10 years, I think, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, people are obviously bringing up Jackie Jordan Kersey, long jump, heptathlon, comps. That's, yeah, that's been a while though. That's the, when, that's the when main one. was that? Yeah. That's the main one. That's the one that we're all that everybody is uh, compared to at that point. Okay, uh, price I mentioned weight throw world record twenty six oh two big throw for her. I mean the U.S. women's well and men's throwers 
continue to be really strong this past couple of years. And then, yeah, Deanna uh, Price did you want about? Go ahead. Sorry, uh, sorry. Go ahead. She was really happy that she she kept she's coming off an injury. She wasn't able to compete at Worlds, so this is a good little redemption arc for her. And I asked her, "What does this translate to the hammer throw?" And she said, "I have no idea." Well, she didn't say that. She she was like, <laughs> oh. "I don't make predictions. It's very different. I don't make predictions." But I'm You're like, I, I'm going to name some it numbers. Translates well for you. <laughs> imagine. She says it's obviously there's a different number of times you're spinning, so like that's yeah, different. It's not yeah, it's not an easy conversion all the time. So. Mm-hmm. And she broke the world record twice, by the way. Oh, she broke it. Right she on. broke the world record, and then later on in her attempts, she broke it again. Okay, I want to get to World Cross and obviously the Michael Norman news, but before we do that. The only other indoor story that really stood out, we're going to miss some stuff, obviously. Yeah, it's just, it was a jam-packed week, weekend. Um, the Josh Thompson DQ. You were there. This wasn't announced until after the meet and the coverage had concluded. What happened? Were people even talking about a potential DQ when, in the stadium? No. There wasn't. There was no talk about it. I didn't hear people like have. There's no. There was no anger from other athletes. I didn't see them visibly upset. Uh, Josh Thompson came through the mix zone. You know, normal. Didn't really feel like he broke any rules. He did a full interview with me. He did mention that he was feeling antsy and that he like nipped Drew Hunter a couple times. But that's not why he got DQ'd. He got DQ'd for a different reason in, on the final lap, right? Correct. That's what they said. The contact so, with Henry Wynn, which it didn't look like there was that much contact. Didn't look that different from most indoor mid-distance races that you see. Yeah. And I guess you do that because Henry Wynn uh, or Henry Wynn's team claiming the DQ, he probably gets a thousand more dollars in prize money. Because you move up in place. So it's like, hey, you might as well do it. I get an extra thousand bucks. Prakel gets the double. And Prakel gets the double. <laughs> I mean, but what a, what a weird hilarious. way to get what a weird way to get the double. Yeah. But he gets twelve Man, Prakel's run, six Pre- Prakel's running pretty well. Obviously, he's doing the whole thing with the U dub team. I asked him a few questions about what it's like training with all those milers under for in Seattle under Andy Powell. He says it feels like college and it's really good to just have a, a group of guys that all can like work out together. You're not, he's never doing a, a rep by himself because he's, he has the talent around him to push him. And they're all going to um, BU this weekend um, to try to get the world standard. They have to run sub 351 in the mile. So they're all going for a sub 351 mile. Prakel and a bunch of UW guys. So probably one of them will break the collegiate record, probably. <laughs> You're talking about the last chance meet? Yeah. Yeah. This was such a low-key meet that the DQ didn't get that much interest. There's no yeah. world team. There's no world team to qualify for. Plus, it was indoors, so people aren't going to pay attention at all. But I just thought it was a strange call when I saw it afterwards. And then I went back and I thought maybe there was something egregious. And then you told me what he had said about Hunter, but then it didn't have anything to do with Hunter. And everything yeah. to do on that final little clip, and also the say the phrase that you just said, he probably did this so he get a thousand more dollars. It's just very telling. 
much. That's a very that's a very depressing sentence to say. But that's probably why. I mean, I don't think he's like because if what's the difference for Henry Wynn getting third to second in a three forty two race on an off year? It's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, not much difference. Again, and same 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 situation here. Nobody knows the rules. Nobody knows the rules, yeah. and nobody applies the rules consistently at all. So, um, okay. Shall we move on? One more thing indoors. One more thing indoors. Can I just get one more thing indoors? Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, the gonna, while you do that, I'm gonna. They were insane. Yeah. While you do that, I'm gonna. I'm gonna turn on my light here. One second. Okay. So I'm not as red. Uh, the collegiate record was broken um, by two teams at the same time in the DMR. Cole, if I'm, I'll, I'll set it's the. Let's bring up Tifers. I should put this in the rundown. I apologize. Everyone, um, Colts, here you go. And scroll to, um, I'll put it here, put it at the bottom. And scroll to the DMR, Business Medley Relay, so you can show the current results. But anyway, it was a wild DMR. We had Oklahoma State and Washington both run 9-16. Now, obviously, they killed the old collegiate record, which was, I think, 9-19 or 9 20 or something like that. I don't even remember because now the record's been broken infinite times. But the big story out of this is that the number 13 team on the men's DMR ran 922 83. LSU. LSU ran a 922 83 uh, time. 13th doesn't qualify. 922 would have broken the collegiate record by four seconds like two or three years ago. And now. It's not even fast enough to get into NCAAs. It is stupid how drunk the DMR is. There were, and it's not even just about like, oh, poor LSU. Princeton runs 923. Virginia runs 923. Alabama runs 924. NAU runs 926 with a conversion, absolute conversion. Texas A&M runs sub 930. And all these teams aren't going. Now I get it. It's not that like they deserve it. At the end of the day, it's just the top 12 teams. Who cares how fast you're going? If you're not top 12, you're not top 12. But it is wild how fast DMRs have gotten over the past two to three years. I remember breaking 930 used to be like, the whoa, you're an elite, elite, elite level. And now we're having four teams breaking 920. It's, we're going to have a, a collegiate team break the world record in the DMR in the coming years. Like... It's only a matter of time. It is utterly insane seeing two teams run 9-16, seeing two teams run 9-19, and then a bunch in the low 920s. It's, and you see like some of these anchors. Like It's not like these are like all-time like notable named anchors. Like North Carolina ran 9-19, and their anchor was Ethan Strand. He's a 355-miler. Out of the blue. It wasn't 355 last year. Last year, okay. Here, here's a good way to show it. Ethan Strand, sophomore for North Carolina, anchored a DMR to 919. Last year, as a freshman, his mile PB was 401. They went into this season with a guy who was a 401 miler. He becomes a 355 miler, and then they run 919. It is wild how much improvement all of these milers are doing, all the 1,200-meter runners are doing. And it's happening both on the men's and women's side because when you look at the, the women's DMR, it's 
also drunk. It's it's stupid. Like obviously Washington broke the collegiate record a few weeks ago, ten forty six. NC State does a ten forty eight. The number twelve time is Ole Miss ten fifty five, and Stanford, Stanford with Willis and Whitaker, Whitaker run ten fifty five, and they're on the outside looking in. It's wild. 10.55 is not fast enough to make it on the women's side. 9.22 is not fast enough to make it on the men's side. It is. Oh, they just keep on getting faster, man. So, yeah. DMR should be wild. At the end of the day, the best anchor is going to win it. So, if NC State runs 2E on the anchor, they'll win. But I think she'll probably run the 5. So, on the women's side, I probably would give the advantage to maybe a... Because I, mean, I think Oklahoma State's going to run row in the five. So I think Arkansas with Lauren Gregory probably is the favorite for the women because they got Lauren Gregory on the anchor. And on the men's side, depends what Oklahoma State does. If those guys you know, run the mile and they're tired or they run a 5K, same thing with Washington. Are they running the 5K? Are they running the mile prelim beforehand? It's going to be 10 on – I think it's going to depend on who is the freshest miler. So – Whoever the freshest miler is, I think it could be someone like, I don't know, like a Wisconsin, Jackson Sharp, maybe. So we'll see. It's wild, though. Maybe, yeah. DMR's drunk. That's all I got to say. You're muted, Kevin. Kevin, you're muted. My bad. My bad. Sorry. Rough day over here. Uh, Wednesday, World Indoor Tour Madrid. Is that before we start or at the same time as the pod? Because that's Nagus and Fisher, right? And I don't think Nagus is there just to mess around. But race, the, the meet begins later. at twelve thirty Central. So it's while we are going. Perfect. Great. I love that. So, awesome. so it's preview. I love that. So we might as well preview it, right? I, I love. I love that for us. All I'm saying is, if if Nagus gets Jakob's world record, woo. It's going to be exciting. Will that mean then the it's next on. weekend is the best weekend of all time? Then, well, which it's on a Wednesday, so who gets to claim it? If it's a Wednesday, previous week or the week after? I don't know. Let's go to World Cross, Bathurst, Australia. Hot temperatures, crazy course. They ran through a billabong. They ran around tires. They ran through a vineyard. And in the end, Kenya won a lot. All right? Kenya won a lot. What women's race, the senior race, I thought was the most dramatic, Gordon, because you had Latensa Bet-Gaday. She passes Beatrice Chabet in the final lap and looks to be cruising to victory. It looks to be all over until the final meters. And Gaday starts slowing down, but it didn't look at first like the wheels were completely coming off. This wasn't Chept a guy a couple editions ago where he totally right cratered. Like, or you see that in major marathons, right? Where someone's just like done. It hits E and it's over and it can get kind of scary because they're stumbling around. That wasn't what this was. It just happened in a blink of an eye. Chebet goes past her about 50 meters from the finish line. Then Gaday goes down. So Chebet gets the win. Gaday ends up getting helped up by two Ethiopian officials who run onto the course to grab her and help her up. Well, you can't do that. So she gets DQ'd. 
With no DQ, maybe she ends up getting fifth because it looked like she was able to get up to her feet. They still would have come up short even if she got uh, fifth. But this is why cross country is fun and unpredictable. And it's kind of, it's interesting to see it with these big name athletes, not just NCAA athletes, but world record holder athletes, gold medalists, right? But they get out on a cross country course and it can be just as unpredictable as the sport is at the lower levels, which is, which is what makes it, you know, unique. Yeah, I mean, remember in NCAA when Jenny Simpson, she's one of the favorites and she finished 150th. Like she was the best athlete on the course, but grass conditions, they cause chaos when it comes to long distance running. I want to say this though about the DQ. How are they allowed to DQ her? Because she didn't ask for their help. Like you can't do it. They, you can't have people yeah, like, running the onto the course helping people. But But it's officials who did it. No, no, it's no. It was Ethiopian. No, 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 no. It was Ethiopian team people. It wasn't official, like meet officials. Oh, like your core. Oh, yeah, it was meet officials. Because if it was meet officials, that's like, hey, we helped you. You're DQ'd now. Like that would be effed up. <laughs> no, and I get it. Like they're worried about her medically, but there was like no lag time. They were on the course. It was like they were you know swarming yeah. like a, like a okay. security around a celebrity and then something goes wrong yeah, yeah, yeah. and they grabbed her uh and you can't Fair have enough. people doing that luckily it wasn't a crowded finish otherwise it would have been even more problematic chebec gets the win though um you know she's already a world championship medalist so keep an eye on her the top 13 individuals gordon all from kenya ethiopia and uganda us finishes fifth as a team edna kurgat Another good race, 18th individually for Edna Kurgat. So now that's a couple in a row, right? Wins World Cross and now comes, or sorry, wins U.S. Cross, now comes to World Cross and, and gets 18th. I think this could be something potentially too. Kaladi, better here than she was at U.S. Cross, is the American's number two runner in, uh, in 21st. But I think what I'll remember most about this race is everything changed in the span of about 10 seconds. It was not a slow build. It was just like, G'day is down. Chabet is past her. The race is over. That was it. Boom, boom, boom. Very, very, yeah. very strange. Yeah, and then on the men's side, um, you want to recap a uh, Kiplimo, man. Like, it's kind of funny when you think about Cheptegai and Kiplimo, right? You're like, Cheptegai, he breaks the world records. And he's, that, he's the guy. And then, but you realize, like, yeah. his, his training partner, Kiplimo, is pretty damn good. Like, oh, so and now good. we got to yeah. see, see it here when he wins this race. We're like, yeah, we got to remember Kiplimo may not have the world record races to his name, but he's, he's getting some big wins to his name and some very impressive performances. And he's got the range, right? He's got the fast 3000 PB all the way up to the half, half marathon. He's run world cross. He's run world half marathon. This was the star-studded race that we thought it would be. Like the big names were there. Aragawi from Ethiopia, the two Ugandans up front, and then the Kenyan contingent, Kamor, uh, Kibiwak Candy. Like they all were there. So it really was the best-case scenario if you just wanted to see an early world championship 10,000 preview or just a great singular race with some of the best, fastest men in the world over this distance. Um, it's Aragawi's first medal in silver. Then it was Chepter Guy and Camor. 
Kenya wins it. Gordon, they go four, five, six, seven. Very NAU for Kenya. They get 22 points. You only score four in this. Ethiopia was second with 33. U.S. got sixth. Sam Chalanga ended up number one guy. Sam Chalanga, who retired how many years ago? And how many different times? Well, he's still the 21st fastest cross-country runner in the world. Yeah. It's wild. Sorry. I was, did you see the email that we just got? That was an honest question. Oh yeah. Yeah. I saw that, but that was an honest question though. How many times has Sam Chalanga retired? Uh, you've talked to him before. One, (laughs) two, I think three. Maybe two and a half. And now he's the number one. He's just addicted to it, man. He loves running. And like, he realizes that like, hey, I've been able to like, maybe I can continue my running career, but not have it be like, have a better work-life balance. He kind of found a way to, Mm. he thought maybe the only way to like, it's either you you quit or you're all in. And he's maybe able to find like, I can actually still be good, but not have to be, all in, all in, and like have a better work-life balance. And that's probably what he found. He found a balance. He's like, okay, well, I'm still healthy. I'm still fit. Can't hurt. I'm still beating people. Why not? So junior races from the U.S. side, bronze and bronze for the team. Women, uh, Senyanet Getachew wins it. The Americans, Ellie Shea, 10th. Irene Riggs, 12th. Carrie Bologna, 13th. Men's race was exciting. Get four guys with a quarter to go. And it was cool because they ran through the tires with 400 to go. So it wasn't just a you know straight line, flat, or slightly uphill, downhill, grass track to the finish line. They're like racing each other, doing a hairpin turn, and going through the tires. And it, 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 I, obviously it made a huge impact on who won because that's not a skill that you would practice every day in your workout. Uh, Ishmael Kip Karui gets it. Uh, they win by one point over Ethiopia. So both individually and team-wise, this was super-duper close. Uh, Leo Young was 16th for that U.S. team that I mentioned that got third. Yeah, pretty cool. We'll talk about the women's side too, but seeing the U-20 results, seeing USA get third in both the men's and women's U-20 races is pretty cool. Young. Um, Langon, they were both in the top 20, but then they, you know, they kind of put everyone together all in the top 30 it was, 27th was their fifth runner. So pretty damn good. They beat South Africa, Great Britain, Australia, obviously Ethiopia and Kenya are a different class when it comes to U20 athletes. So it was expected for them to go one, two, but for them to take advantage of being the best of the rest, pretty cool for the young team out of the U.S. Yeah. All right. Now I want to talk about the relay. I well, got the, the, oh, the women. The women's race, right? And the women got third. Well, yeah, I mentioned that. Okay. Shea, Riggs, Bologna, and tw- you're too busy reading emails. You should. You got to be locked yeah, in. Yeah, it's on an what email. It's a here. news email, and I and I want to break it, but we have to wait freaking thirty five minutes. Bullshit. Well, just stay on for thirty five minutes. We should break it. Should we break it? Should we break the rules break. and tell people thirty five minutes? Before break down the. No, no, no. We'll just do the full pod, okay. and then if we're 10 minutes short, just talk about the dunk contest because it's the greatest moment in Sixers history, basically. 
And then when it gets to be two o'clock, you can you can break or not break it. You can read it. Okay, I want to talk about the relay though. All I'm right, into so- the relay. I like this event. Yeah, I just want to say, I don't like every right. relay. I like this relay. I like four by two k. It's cool to see some mid distance people get to mix it up in cross country. And a lot of countries can put together four solid 2K runners because you can pull from longer distance folks or you can get some 800-meter runners out there. You had Caster Semenya on the anchor leg. That's pretty exciting, right? You had Caster Semenya running for South Africa. And in the same event, you have people who are awesome in the mile and 5,000, 3,000. Kenya wins it. Ethiopia gets second. Australia gets third. Australia was my pick, all right? Australia. I thought they were going to do it at home. But this relay, and you look at the results and the people who ran what, it kind of confused me. So first leg, yeah. uh, South Africa hands off in first. Kenya is in second with Wanyoni, who's an 800 guy, a really good 800 guy, but he's an 800 guy, running over 2K. He beats Oliver Hoare. And part of that, probably Oliver Hoare, I don't know how long Wanyoni had been in Australia or been in the time zone, but we know Oliver Hoare was in New York the week before running a 350 mile. So perhaps that impacted him a little bit. Then Jessica Hull gets the yeah. baton and just goes absolute beast mode. I don't know if you saw this leg, Gordon. It was incredible. Jessica Hull uh, puts Australia back in front. And then you have the third leg. And you have Stuart McSwain with a five-second lead. He is a 329 1500-meter runner. Now, this is not a 1500 track, but he is a 329 1500-meter runner. Running for Kenya is Kayombi Munguti, who's a 336 1,500-meter runner. I got to admit, I don't know his whole, his whole CV. Maybe that's not indicative of how good he is. Maybe he's awesome at hills and grass and cross country. But McSwain got caught. He got caught, but that, that totally stunned me. You know, Ethiopia had Getnet Wale running, who we know. He's one of the best steeplers in the world. He's the one who barely missed the 3K world record in Leven last year. He's obviously legit. But this whole relay just goes to show the, the depth of Kenya and Ethiopia. Kenya can trot out people we don't, we're not really that familiar with or can put them in off events, and they can still win. Australia went with world championship finalist caliber people all throughout their roster and came up a little short. Horror McSwain just needed to do a little bit more, but... They get the bronze behind Kenya, behind Ethiopia. U.S. was fifth. Uh, I like that Emma Coburn hurdled some of the tires. People were asking, hey, can you just go straight and hurdle them? Emma Coburn did. I saw a photograph of it. I liked it. But I, my, my major takeaway was I was into this relay. I like this relay. I want to see it more. Yeah, I was surprised, the same as you, that Australia got third by a bunch of no-name well, not bunch of, but a, but a few no-name uh, Kenyan oh, yeah, athletes. Yeah. Uh, but like, hey, that's cross-country for you, man. Like, you can be a 329, 1,500-meter runner, go up against a 336, 1,500-meter runner, and you can lose in 2,000 meters when there's grass involved. Seems very complicated, but it may, now it makes sense. And hills. We didn't, we didn't, hills we didn't do that calculation when we just said Australia was going to win. We, uh, that's we underestimated yeah. the competition. We also, you know, it's like at the end of the day – you know, I guess what's like an analogy? It's like, you know, when all of a sudden, like a small school, well, what, let's, 
Like when the B team for like an NBA team beats the A team, like the Celtics rest all their starters, but they still beat the Sixers. And you're like, what? how does that happen? Yeah. You know, because the Sixers didn't recognize that Boston's B team are also professional athletes and they can handle it. That's Kenya's yeah. B team. Kenya's B team is everyone's A team. Yeah, well, in 336, 1500, yeah, maybe on cross, so he's strong. And maybe he was really sharp right now, and that's why they picked him to be on the team. I just thought the star power of Hoare, McSwain, Hull, Caldwell, that would be enough. Still good. They still got a medal. I watched the interview with them after. They were, they were excited to get a medal at home, and it is, it is tough. But I thought, I thought they'd be able to prevail. Um, okay, that's it for World Cross. Let's talk about the story that broke on Friday, a story that people love to talk about, including us, because we always love to talk about event switching. And this one, it comes as a surprise, not in the literal sense, because Otto Bolden had mentioned this at an indoor meet a couple weeks ago that Michael Norman was moving to the 100. But just if you told me at the beginning of 2023 or at the end of 2022, hey, Michael Norman's going to make a go at the hundred, I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised. Uh, what was your first reaction? And then we can dig into the details here. I was surprised too. I was, um, I was also excited, but then I started doing some thinking and then I got less excited. That makes sense. I was like, Oh, this is gonna be awesome. And I was like, uh, track's going to find a way to make this not awesome, which I can. Well, let's start with the positive. It's not going to be awesome. Okay. Start with the positive. Start with the positive. Why is this going to be awesome? Well, because the last time we saw an elite 400-meter runner transfer to the 100, it worked. Fred Curley did it. And not only did it work, he became great at it. And you got to look at Norman. And Trika Jackson did it. You got to look at Norman as same caliber as those two athletes that it's probably going to work and it's going to make the 100 more exciting. Like it's going to be introducing another elite athlete to that field, which is going to all of a sudden make winning it harder, losing it more, less, uh, losing it more devastating because you're like, I ran so fast and I couldn't even get top three. It just makes you think about that. And then it sets, it makes 2024 more exciting. Um, cause now, you know, who is the favorite? This adds so much permutations to, we thought we had the hundred figured out, but now we throw in a new wrench here. We aren't throwing in the Noah Lyles wrench. Now we're going to throw in a Michael Norman wrench. It's just like getting more and more a lot of wrenches. interesting. A lot of wrenches. Let me tell you how I thought about it. I'll go event by event. The four, the one, but also the 200. Because I think the 200 should be part of this conversation too. I'll start first with the 400. My first question was, why not stick with the quarter? Why not stick with it if he is the huge... Not the huge favorite, because we don't know about Steven Gardner. But I think we'd say he's the favorite. He's a complete medal lock almost at this point, right? Like yeah. Even worst case scenario, he's going to come away with the medal in the 400. And there's still some unfinished business there. American record, world record. That American record is not like any, not like most American records. That's an iconic American record. That's a Michael Johnson American record. You saw the reaction when Noah Lyles broke Michael Johnson American record. And the world record isn't that far away either. When Norman ran the 43-45 at Mount Sac, we all thought, okay, this guy, he could be the first one under 40 
three seconds. So he could be a barrier breaker too. But then I saw the quote, right? And he talks about the glory of the 100, right? The winner of the 100 is the world's fastest man. And we know how grueling the 400 is to train for. So maybe it's a combination of that. But he's just, he's so close to these iconic times in the quarter. It surprised me a little bit. And the fact that he would have his way, especially in the U.S., right? Randolph Ross is suspended now. Making teams would not be stressful for him. But again, we can't discount the idea of prestige, and we can't discount the idea of the quarter is just a grueling, arduous event. And then I thought, well, why not the 200? He's run the 200 more often than the 100. He's had more success at the 200 than he has in the 100. He's beaten Noah Lyles at the 200. So why not the two? Now, again, the winner of the 200 isn't named the world's fastest man. So if that's really what he's going for, then running in the 200 doesn't help him. But if he wants to try something new, the 200 seemed like a better fit. Which brings me to the the 100, right? And you've outlined all the people that are in the 100. And it is crowded now, right? So you're going to have the the world champion in the one, the two, and the four all vying for a spot in the 100. He, they're talking about that 986 a lot, like in Nick Nick Sicardi's uh, write-up on NBC, like they're talking about that 986 that Norman ran. That was the AP Ranch 986. Not to say those aren't real. It was a real time. There was a timing system out there. But you could also look at when he ran in the, pre, in the 2021 season, right? He ran some hundreds in 2021. They were good, but I don't think anything there screamed, oh, this guy for sure, 100, he's going to be great. But the easiest counterargument, you know, to that is, Gordon? Fred Curley. That's the counterargument. Because we were saying a lot of the same stuff about Fred Curley. And I know I look stupid. I don't know how if you look stupid, but maybe Norman knows something we don't know. But there's also this factor. He has insurance. He has that 400-meter buy to the world championships, right? (laughs) Which is a key part to this because nobody wants to miss out on teams. Your ambition of being the world's fastest man might be great, but are you willing to risk it all? and maybe not even make a team just to run that event. So having insurance and having a buy in the World Championships, I think is huge. He talked about how this is setting him up for Paris long-term. But right now, yeah, he's not a favorite, right? Because Curly gets the buy. But then between Bracey, Bromel, Coleman, Lyles, Makai Williams, and who else, like you got to get top three. And I think it's going to be tough to get in that top three. So here's the thing. On paper, this is why I got excited. Imagine a race with world champion Fred Curley versus world champion Noah Lyles versus world champion Michael Norman versus world record holder in a 60 Christian Coleman versus multi-global medalist Trayvon Bromel versus runner-up from last year Marvin Bracey. That would be an incredible race, right? But here's the thing. That race will never happen. I'm going to predict that we will not see a race with Curly, Bromel, Coleman, Bracey, Norman, Lyles all in the same race. With those six runners, 
I don't think you'll see a race with all well, six of those runners on the track at the same time. Because Curly has the bye. Exactly. And then the only other time you the only other time you'd see him would be in a diamond league type setting. Exactly. You can't get six Americans into the world championships. Which is why our sport okay. is stupid. Because this would be amazing to see all six of those runners running in the hundred at the same time. We won't see it because there'll just be a situation where like say Curly gets the bye. We're like, all right, well, they'll race each other. Well, first of all, those six runners won't be able to race at Worlds because only four can be at Worlds. So it's only going to happen at USA's. Curly's going to probably focus on the two at USA's to try to make sure he gets on the 200 team. And then it's just not going to happen, which is what sucks. I mean, the only opportunity would be all six of those guys really try to get to the Diamond League final. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think a lot, yeah, like I think they're going to be like, oh, I'll just do something different, you know? So it's fun. To think about, holy crap, six Americans all, all-time all elite in the same year. Yeah, yeah. But it's just not going to happen. And but, it sucks. But, 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 I agree. Now, if half of those weren't but, Americans, it would all happen. But because they're all American, That's also why world is stupid. Like, six okay, hold on, of hold on, hold on, the people on, on the we world don't, we don't finals need to get... should be American, but they won't let that happen. Okay. And we could be four. Okay. Okay. But we all know the rules right now. So we don't need to go on that tangent about who should be at Worlds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Would you take five, though? I'll take five. Yes, I would take five. I, was, I would take five. But Curly, five uh, Curly already Curly. had the buy. It needs to include. No, no, no. Curly already had the buy. We already assume, and this isn't necessarily true, but we already assumed he wouldn't be at USA's. So we thought it was going to be the three medalists plus Coleman and then whoever else. You know, and Lyles, right, for that final spot. Now we have – sorry, the, the two medalists because Curly's not there. Now we have yeah. a chance of having – now we have a chance of having five there. Coleman, Bracey, Bromel, Lyles, and Norman running for three spots. I'll take that. Is it perfect? No. It's missing someone, and it's missing the gold medalist. But I'll take that, Right. That's still pretty yeah, good. Yeah, the perfect situation, in my opinion, would be Norman does 100 at USA's, Curly does the 400 at USA's, and then they race each other twice at Worlds in the one and the four. And then they become teammates in the four by four and the four by one. Oh, you're saying they both they do each, the and, one four double? Yeah. And then they both are on the four by one and the four by four. That would be wild. Those two guys, they both get. Four medals each. They get guaranteed two, not guaranteed, but hopefully two golds in the relay. And then they fight for their third or fourth gold against each other. That'll be fun. That's what I want. So I was writing a script. They would do that. When we talk about people switching events, oftentimes it's, oh, this person has achieved everything in this event. Let's go. Let's go to another event. And maybe they could win it because it's easier. This one's harder. This one's way harder for him to win. That's what makes it surprising. And I'm trying to think back. When Curly moved to the 100, he wasn't the reigning world champion like Norman was. And Fred Curly didn't have a Fred Curly there, right? I mean, I guess Coleman was in and out with the, with the suspension. And Romel's been good for a while and embracing. But it, it feels right now, it feels more challenging than a couple of years ago, doesn't it? Uh, for the men's hundred to make the team. Yes, but I can assume of those six guys, 
you, I'm not gonna say who the two are, but I think two of those six aren't gonna be in their best form in 2024. Like two of those guys, one or two of the guys will either have an injury or fall off. 24 or 23? In, in 24. Well, yeah. So the stakes get really high in 24 because there's no buys, yes. right? So there's no backup plan for Lyles. There's no backup plan for Norman and Curly would have to run it. So what this really is, if you're hoping for maximum chaos and just high levels of excitement in 2024, you want Norman to be good enough this year in the 100 to where he tries to go for it. Yeah. Right? Are you surprised he's not doing the two? Man, the two is scary, yo. You got Lyles, you got future 2023 world champion, Kenny Benderick. You got Knighton, who's the future 2025 champion. Okay. Yeah, and you got the Curly in there. And you got Curly there, too. Got- no. I think the 200 is slightly less – well, because Lyles has the buy. No. No, but Knighton, I think, is scarier would, than a Bracey. He would just need to I think beat Knighton one and Kenny of, B are harder to beat than Bracey and Bromel. Who would you rather have, Knighton he, and Kenny B in a 200 or Bracey and Bromel in a 100? Well, he would have to beat two of those guys in the 100. He only needs to beat one of them in the 200. I take the 200 just because I know he's run more 200s. Yeah, but wait till bowling comes up, man. I don't know. About bowling. Matthew Bowling, though. (laughs) Don't forget about him. Um, I just, I I think, I I wonder, too, because he's talking about jumping back and forth. Okay, if the 100 goes, like the last paragraph of this article, well, if the 100 goes bad, I still have the quarter, basically. But training-wise, is that hard to do? Isn't it difficult? Like, yeah, <laughs> but Curly and Shrieka Jackson, maybe there's this thing going on right now. Curly's proven it. Shrieka Jackson's proven it. And if Michael Norman does this too, maybe this whole idea is just like, hey, you're fast. You're fast. Like it doesn't matter. Specificity, throw that out the window. The quote is in a world where things go absolutely terrible, then I will be defending my title in the 400. But if things go the way I plan to, then I'll be fighting for a new title. My question here is this. How much power is there in the 100 over the 200? Are we talking about this if it's Michael Norman moves to the 200? Are articles getting written about it if it's Michael Norman moves to the 200? Or is the cachet of the 100 so high, this basically proves his point, that the 100 is the blue ribbon event, everybody talks about it, I want to be in that event. And if that's the case, you can't blame him because track and field careers are short. He also wants to be on the 4x1. like. Running the 200 and getting third in the 200 isn't going to put you on the 4 by one but getting third in the 100 would put you on the 4 by one So, like, yeah. there's you kind of get two for one when you decide to try to get top three in the 100 versus top three in the 200. Like, only Lyles is getting in the 4 by one because of his 200, yeah. but the second 200-meter guy is not getting on the 4 by one Listen, if you're looking They're for extra like relay medals. They want to collect their relay. They want to cr- collect their medals. Trying to pull the Felix. Well, if you want to, you know what they should do? If they're trying to collect another relay medal, there's a place that they can go. This relay happens early in the meet, and all you got to do is beat. Well, the Netherlands is getting harder to beat. Never mind. Maybe it's the Dominican Republic and Netherlands. Do the mix four by four. But another goal. one thing this kind of 
reminded me about like it's kind of it's, it's an ongoing story that we have on both the men's and women's side. This idea that the best athletes aren't always going to face each other. Like we're talking about Sydney and Shawnee Miller-Webo. They never raced each other. Now they won't, right? Femke Bull and Sydney might not race each other. You throw in a, a Thing Mo in the 400, maybe not, might not race each yeah. other. Oh, what about Abby Steiner can run a good 4 by 4 split, but she's not going to race. Oh, they're going to stay in the 200. And then on the men's side, well, Lyles is doing both 1-2, but Curly's not racing Norman because they were 4-1, but now they might race each other. But Curly has the bye, but then Norman might come in, but he might switch it up, go back to the 400. Let's not forget about, though, Trayvon Bromel and Marvin Bracey, their training partners. Sometimes they're going to race together. Sometimes they're not going to race together. Oh, Arian Knighton and Kenny B. Kenny B could be on the 4 by one if he runs the 100, but if he's on the 200, he's not going to run the 4 by one He switch it up and it's stupid. We have groups of 10 athletes who are good <laughs> in one, two, and four, but they're all zigging and zagging to never face each other. They're always in a different I time. I think it's stupid. I think, I think it's glorious. I think what you just described, full on Zach Galifianakis. Oh, not to Benjamin could probably run a fast 400, but he's always in the 400 yeah. hurdles. Uh, Carson Warhol, you know, it's just all, it's all well, crazy. Oh, here's wait, the gal- here's the Grant Holloway. No, no, no. Like Grant Holloway. He runs the 110 hurdles. Okay. Put him in the four by one. He can run a fast 400 hurdles. What about that? And a whole so that's, you run a 201 800. Well, so her in the 800. Okay, hold on, stop, 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 stop. So you brought up a couple actually legitimate points if we're going to go down this path. If Norman moves out of the four for real, you could say Ryan Benjamin's got a pretty decent shot in the quarter. I don't know if he's going to do it, but yeah. he would. He would. He honestly would. And Grant, when I was thinking about people moving events and people who have achieved all that they want to achieve in one event, if Grant runs two hundredths of a second, faster gets the world record gets the american record obviously he won't have the olympic medal i know you wanted him to switch events for 20 years now but yeah. that's a situation where everybody knows the the personality of grant holloway and how infectious he is but putting him in the hundred takes him to a different stratosphere right it's a seven Doesn't guy it? we need another guy let's do it Seven. No, but seven no, 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 but no, no, and and listen, and listen. He he hasn't run. He hasn't run an insane hundred, but he's run an insane sixty before. But that mm-hmm. that's a situation where it would make sense, I guess, because he doesn't have the Olympic gold. You stay. Maybe he knows something about his hundred ability that we don't. But like that's a situation where, okay, it would totally raise his profile if he goes into the hundred, right? I don't think he's going to yep. do it because it is so crowded, and maybe he wants to just become the greatest hurdler of all time. But if you're talking about appealing to a mainstream audience, there's just the mainstream audience can only keep two or three people in their head at one time. And one of those people is going to be, or has the potential to be the Olympic hundred meter champion, men and women. That's who they remember, right? My, a lot of my non-track friends, they know the name Shelly Ann Fraser Price now because she's been around Olympic and they know Allison Felix too, but they know Fraser Price because she's won a hundred meter gold over and over and over again. So it's like, Oh, Hey, is she the favorite again? So, People will keep the 100-meter champion in their head. And if you're someone like Grant or somebody in a non-100-meter event, like I get wanting to get there. I just thought this move was surprising because he finally got that 400 thing going. Like the pressure's off to win the title. Now we could chase the times. And now you're just – I mean, this is so much work. Like uh, I like this comment, though. Let me do this comment here real quick, and then I'll hand it over to you again, Gordon. Um, Shoot, where is this? Adrian 
I respect that he, talking about Norman, is putting his career achievements on the line and challenging himself. And I think we should record. Like, I think it's cool, right? Yeah. Like, we talk, we talk so much about, you're right, people not competing against other people, people taking a safer route. We don't know how this is going to end up, but it is awfully exciting right now to think about. So we, well, this news broke while I was at USA's, and I had an opportunity to ask Noah Lyles his thoughts on, because he's joining the 100 this year, and now Michael Norman's joining the 100 with him, and I asked him what his thoughts were on Michael Norman Riding the hundred this year, and this is what he said. Norman now wants to compete in the hundred, joining another nine eight guy to the mix of all the other top U.S. guys. What's your reaction to another top guy competing against you and, and others? What's that got to do with me? He's still gonna lose. Do you think though it's gonna make people run faster? Is there any mental edge seeing a newcomer coming into the hundred or at all? Or I mean, we already got like three nine seven guys in the mix. What? What's another 9 8 guy? I mean, we're all just here running for the places. I mean, because what you call a relay pool. That's yeah, I mean, yeah. That is a relay pool. Yeah. And we can show up the worlds with two relays. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. Because you have the buy in the two, do you plan on running less twos as a whole at going into USA's because you can put more focus in the one? We haven't decided. Truthfully, I've realized that my 100 gets the fastest when I'm running more 200s and then drop down to 100. But we haven't really decided. We'll just play by ear, see what's happening, how training's going, and each step of the way, we'll just keep going. Coming out of the off season before the season started, right. you, you had a goal in mind. All right, we're good, we're good. Man, you, 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 he was talking trash in the beginning, and then by the end, it's just like, focus on training, oh. all, that, <laughs> all the normal stuff that you hear, right? But in the beginning, he caught you off guard there, I think. He did. I was like, whoa. He seemed like, how, he's like, Michael Norman is, he basically implied like, who's Michael Norman, right? Well, he's he, get he knows like, Michael well, he's Norman, only a 9-8 guy who ran the freaking, yeah. won the global title in the 400. He's good. He's just as good in the 100 as you are. Like, his, Michael Norman's 100-meter resume is the same as Noah Lyles. Is that, I just said that right now. Is that true, though? This is one of those things that you say, and then within 25 seconds, people in the chat are like, well. Well, but. Is a Noah unproven Lyles blind resume Noah Lyles and Michael Norman in the hundred? What is it? I think Lyles is better in the hundred. Because Lyles did run a hundred at USA's once, right? Yeah, he ran that at USA's. He's beaten Christian Coleman heads up. Even I'll even give him credit for some of these sixties, right? Because we're talking about yeah, sh- yeah. short sprinting, short sprinting in general. Again, yeah, like, yeah. So his, his resume Mike, is better. Yeah, sure. Michael Norman, like he has, he has the 986 from that AP Ranch meet. Well, and then you go to 2021, right? And 2021 post Olympics, he ran 300s, three 100s. He got fifth at pre. He ran 990 plus 2.9 wind. Then he got third in Belgium, 998, and then he won in Padova with a 9.97. Those are like his three notable recent hundreds. That's why I I look at that as more of a benchmark of where he's at than a low-key 986 where he wasn't running against anybody. What's his record against Lyles in the 200? Maybe there's room to grow. You want me to look that up? I'm looking up. Uh, Lyles, five to one. Five to one. So, Lyles, it was, yeah, five. 
five to one. Here's my question. All right, we're going to do it right now. And then we have breaking news in seven minutes. So stick around and we'll break the news in seven minutes. Um, rank it. Here we go. Well, imagine this race is happening in July. So it's not today. It's July from now. What is your U.S. July. top six? Finish order. Of the, are these are the six cur- people or, you have to choose. Are we counting Curly, Curly or no? Bromel. Yeah, you're counting Curly. You're counting Curly, Bromel, Coleman, Bracey, Norman, and Lyles. What is your top six order? Who is number six on that list? Hold on, let me go. Can I count down from one? I gotta think okay, about who's this. number one on the list? Yeah, I'm going to stay with the champ. I'm going to stay with Curly. Okay, so you still say Curly's one. Okay. Who's number two? I'll go Bromel. Bromel, two. Okay, three. I just, I want to see another Coleman 100. I want to see another Coleman 100. I don't know okay. what okay. to think with, with Coleman. Like, it's tough. And Bracey, we haven't seen at Coleman all Coleman just indoors. ran a fast 60, man. He just ran a good 60, so he's fit. I'll go Coleman right. three. Okay. I'll go so Lyles. Curly, Bromel, Coleman. Lyles four. So Lyles gets on the team. I predicted okay. him to win double gold, so he's going to get on the team. <laughs> Five, I'll go Bracey. And then six, I'll go Norman. Interesting. So the what do you have? Silver medalist from last year saying getting fifth in the U.S. in Marvin Bracey. It's more just a function of I haven't seen him. Now you can say the same thing about Curly too. No, I mean this is this yeah. is imp- it's an impossible task. You set me up to <laughs> fail here. I don't appreciate it. Yeah, I like Bracey. You're welcome. I like Bracey for a while. He's he's great. Wouldn't surprise me if he's in that top three. What's your six? My six would be. I would say Curly one. I would say Lyles. I would say Curly one. Lyles two. Bromel three. Bracy four. Coleman five. Norman six. Coleman five. Norman six. So. Yeah, I mean, but watch Norman's gonna go out and run nine seven. I'm like crap, now I got to put Norman in the top three. It's gonna be, it's gonna be stupid. Also, did you see? Did you see Marcel Jacobs lost at the Italian Championships in the sixty? He did. Yeah. So we, we are heading to a scenario where we're gonna have we're gonna have an all time number of U.S. guys in the nine eights this year, nine eights yeah. and nine, maybe even nine sevens this year, and, and, and that including, that, yeah. I know and you're Williams, big on Williams getting in there. Really good. Williams is going to have a good too. season. Yeah. Yeah. Eli There's... Hall kind of ran well. I mean, but it's going to be nuts. So even if you, t- even if you take, take Curly out, say he's going to not run the 100, he's only got three lanes left. How many years in February could we say, all right, these, we want these five people. These five people are probably in the final already. Right, not even yeah. accounting for people who could pop up out of nowhere, maybe veterans that are coming back and having a second go. So, I think five of the six. I'm not going to get greedy. Would be would be incredible. I think Curly and Shrieky Jackson have changed the way we 
look at this event. And I think that that's like a point of hesitation for me when I look at this about Norman and think, oh man, this is really tough. But I also think I said the same thing with, with Curly. It's like, oh yeah, you, like, what makes you think you can run you know, nine, eight low or nine, seven high? And he went and did it. He went and did it. So Norman, maybe he can do the same thing. Maybe he's seen that he could do the same thing. It would be, if this was an Olympic year, it would be interesting though, right? If, if Eugene was in 2023 and then now we were in 2024 and we read the same article and we're like, wait a minute, there's no buys here. He's putting everything on the line to try to make the hundred team. Assuming they couldn't double, right? We'd be like, oh my gosh, but we do have buys this year, which do provide a little bit of a soft landing. If someone doesn't run well at the world championships uh, or at the U S championships, long pod. Colt, you're doing no, great. Great. We, uh, we, uh, we do have breaking news in like not nine, yet, not nine yet. seconds. Not, not yet. Gotta wait. Gotta wait. Seconds. Um, Until those 90 seconds are up. Did you watch the slam dunk contest? I did. First time in years. And I heard it got saved by Matt McClellan. Yeah. It was great. It was great. That was fun. I enjoyed it. First, first sixer to win the dunk contest. And here's the thing. As you all know, a year ago, over a year ago, I said I was going to learn how to dunk a basketball. And I've had this photo of a sixer dunking behind me. My mental health is tied to the sixer's success. I realized I didn't dunk at the end of last year because the sixers have yet to break the curse of winning a title. But now that the sixer has won a dunk title, I think I'm going to get my dunk. I think I'm due for my dunk in the coming weeks. Because Mac McClung broke the curse. First Sixer to win, to win the dunk contest. Gordon, Sixers fan, is going to successfully dunk. It's all coming together. 2023 is the year of the dunk. I thought it was 2022. It's actually 2023. So dunk video coming shortly in the coming weeks. That's my prediction. Brandon in the chat says, good to finally see a Mac that can dunk. Oh, <laughs> How's the backflip yeah. coming along? It was good. It was good to see Mac dunk. Yeah, are you, are you doing a backflip, Gordon? Yeah. No, I'm not going to do a backflip. Oh, that's out? All right, breaking news. Uh, Fred Curley has signed with Asics. Gordon, got Kevin, it right thoughts. there. 2 p.m. 2 Low p.m. Track Central Twitter. time. There it is. Well, he's set to compete this week. He's set to compete this week. I mean, I'm a little surprised, right? Ran for Nike for all those years. He's now the fastest man in the world. Got the gold medal to his name. Got, you know, some potential in the 200 too, so we could see some doubles, right? Like that's pretty, uh, a pretty high profile guy in the world of, of track and field. And ASICs, right? They've signed some, some folks of late, but yeah, I'm a little surprised. Yeah, Joseph Fambule uh, has probably been the more notable uh, ASICs sprinter who's like, you know, going to make global finals. Um, it is interesting. Curly's 27 years old. My question is, do you think this was a Nike moving on from Curly or Curly moving on from Nike to find a better deal? Mm. 
Well, I think because you mentioned those names there, right? Asics wanting to expand, maybe. And yeah, it's like he probably wants to be paid like a like the fastest man in the world. You don't blame him. He only has a a, a few years to to capitalize on this. And Nike sponsors a ton of athletes, right? So they're going to spread the money out. Asics and some of these other brands a little more concentrated in how they uh, spend their money so they could commit more to one person, I assume, than Nike could. Yeah. It just seems like weird for Nike to move on from the global 100-meter champion as we go into three more global championships of 2023 Budapest, 24 Paris and 25 Tokyo. Do you think Nike is saying like, oh, you're 27. We don't think you're going to be in your prime in 28, 29, and 30, age 30? Like, do you think they're trying to move, like? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I uh, mean, do you- all that, I'm, sh- I'm sure all that gets calculated in, right? They're trying to think about how to invest their money. We don't. They've talked about Nike, like the heads of Nike being less committed to running than in the past. So some of the stuff might get scaled down. So maybe they have to make some more choices. And it's like, all right, do we want to spend a bunch here or do you want to spread it out amongst um, a series of other people? I mean, they still have, you know, we're talking about all these names. We just talked about Michael Norman, right? He's still with Nike. They still have Christian Coleman. He's still with Nike. So they're well represented in the hundred still. I mean, you have Bromel with. New Balance, and you have Lyles with Adidas. But in general, um, it's not as if you're not going to see swooshes out there on the track. But yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, none of this stuff is ever that public. You get like a little bit of details here and there about certain contractual comings and goings. But it's more just a brand that hasn't been that associated with the short sprints getting the fastest man in the world. That's why I'm like, okay, wow. Looks like Curly has a video on his uh, Twitter. Put it in the top of the show notes. Colt, you can play that video of him announcing his partnership with Asics. I will say one thing that is kind of a bummer. We were talking about like Nike 4x1 versus Adidas 4x1. Now, yeah, I can't you know, go. we got to take Curly off of our Nike 4x1. Also, what's the one meet? outside the world championships and Olympics where we thought we could get all the top hundred guys together at the diamond league prefontaine prefontaine who funds prefontaine not asics it's nike right <laughs> and not new bat right and not new balance although Bermel's obviously gone there and then and then yeah. so you have half of the big six at minimum i don't know bracy's current contract situation so it's basically split either three and three or four and two. So I don't think we'll see all six at pre is basically what I'm saying. But, oh no, pre is a diamond league final. It's a diamond league final. It's a diamond league yeah, final. Right. So maybe they all right. won't be yeah. it. Yeah. Right. So we'll see. All right. Hell of a pod. Look at that. 94 minutes. Dude, this might have been the longest one. 94. 95. 95. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. off by a minute. Hey, Colt. Thank you, man. Appreciate thanks, it. Cole. Uh, Glad to. Thanks, chat, Happy. for tuning in. Yeah, good numbers on the chat. This is awesome. Um, 
Tam Pico said it was the best pod ever. So, hey, no thanks, no thanks to my audio or video. But I thought the content was good. Again, when when Kevin brings notes, it's serious. I did some designs while Gordon was talking about the DMR or something over there. It was great, it was great stuff. So, we'll uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll talk back. to you guys when, Wednesday, Wednesday, Madrid. More breaking news during Madrid, probably right. Yeah, and then again, we'll probably preview the Melbourne meet, which is in the middle of the night Wednesday night. It's like 2 a.m. Featuring on Thursday. Featuring, Featuring newly signed A6 athlete Fred Curley in the 200. So that's going on live at 2 a.m. in the morning. So we'll preview that meet on Wednesday, recap it on Friday. And Friday, there's Birmingham meet as well. Josh Kerr is probably trying to go for the British record, maybe even the world record in the 1500. We'll see what that happens there. EU will be happening. See a lot of fast times Wait, is that there. True so. or, is that true or do you just make that up? You mentioned the word British record to me in Albuquerque. Oh, you saw him in Albuquerque? Yeah. That's where oh, he lives. Oh, he's there the lead. That's, well, I know. You should have opened with that. All right. I saw a lot of people there, man. I was at the oh. U.S. Championships. There's a lot of people there. All right. On Wednesday, Gordon will list I, all the I people was, he saw. We the, missed a bunch uh, of stuff. We missed a bunch of stuff because there was so much stuff. So we'll get to the other yeah. stuff on Wednesday. Yeah. Okay. During the um, the night bef- the day before the day of the women's 800 meter final, I was working out in the hotel gym, and I saw Allie Wilson doing a pre meet on the treadmill, and I was thinking like, I hope she wins because then I can say she won because yeah. of the positive vibes I was giving in the gym. And then she got second, so then I couldn't claim mm. that. So I was upset. Fortunately, but it's okay. Pull it up. All right, we'll leave it there. Thank you, Gordon. Thank you, Colt. Thanks, everybody who watched. Like, subscribe. And downloaded. We'll see you guys Wednesday. Peace.